know we're not going to make it all the way through these 22 verses this morning, but um, we'll make it as far as the Lord allows. But let's, let's read the entire psalm to start with. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be put, or let me not be ashamed. Let me not be put to shame or be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. And didn't the Lord say that about himself? They hated me without a cause. If they hated me, they're going to what? Hate you also. Right. Show me thy ways. Let me stop a second. I mean, that's evident, isn't it? I mean, uh, you stand for what's right and you're hated, right? Uh, because there's so much evil in the world, so much against God. Verse number four, show me thy paths, O Lord, teach me, or show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. The meek he will guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach in his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You know, last week I mentioned to you about the revival on the Isle of Lewis. And do you remember me telling you how that got started? There was a blind widow that began praying. And the men that came along and preached during that time of revival, you know, the one man I told you about last week that went to preach just for a 10-day invitation ended up staying for three years. Oftentimes she would tell him, you know, this is what, you know, the Lord has, has said that, I, that you ought to do. And he's like, well, that's not in, you know, my plan, you know, that where we're heading next. And she said, well, just wait. The Lord's revealed it unto me. And uh, what my point in all that is, when you read there in verse number 14, we're in Psalm 25. It says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Now, there's a reality of that which I've just described in every one of you who is a believer. There are people that you work with. There are people in the community that do not know the things of God that you know. Do not understand the things of God that you understand. You're seeking to walk with him. You're seeking that he would teach you his ways. You're seeking to walk in the paths that he would, that he would set you upon. The secret things of the Lord belong, it says, un, with, with them that, that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Verse 15 says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Can you say that? Is that, is that true? 
of your life? I'm not going to get that far this morning, but I wanted to ask the question. He says, mine eyes are ever towards the Lord. Can we say that? I mean, throughout your entire day, I mean, if you're supposed to be eating and drinking and do all that you do under the glory of God, then doesn't that track with our eyes ever being upon him and looking unto him and asking the Lord to lead us and asking the Lord to guide us and asking the Lord to protect us, asking the Lord to give us wisdom, asking the Lord to be merciful unto us. Um, so mine eyes are ever towards the Lord. This is, this is being written by the man after God's own heart, right? This is a Psalm of David. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me. For I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. I, I, I was just talking to Brother Bill this morning. And he was telling me, it's the first time we met. And he was telling me about how that he lost his wife back in June. And think about what a distress. Sister Pat, you know something about that. Um, think of what a distress that is. Look, he's standing here this morning. The Lord's brought him out of that distress. Now, I'm not saying that Sister Pat and Brother Bill don't have, you know, they, they don't still have trouble, you know, with that. But what are they doing? They're looking to the Lord. They're looking to the Lord. So he's the one that brings us out of our distresses. So in verse number 18, the psalmist says, look upon my affliction. We don't know what David's affliction is here. We're not told. There are other psalms that we read and we find out what's happening with David. Uh, you know, it may be a situation because of his son Absalom. It may be because of the situation, circumstances with Bathsheba. It may be because he's having to have fled Saul. It may be because of Goliath, you know, all sorts of things. But here we're not told. Yeah. Well, guess what? Because we're not told, guess what you get to do? Whatever's going on with you this morning, you get to plug in your trouble into this psalm. You know, we don't have a distinct thing. So you can plug your, your sorrow and your trouble into this psalm. And you can say with David in verse number 18, look upon mine affliction and my pain. Do we ever find ourselves there? Sure we do. We ever find ourselves in affliction? We ever find ourselves in pain? Absolutely. Where are you going to go? We're going to go to the God of all comfort. That's where we're going to go. How about when we've sinned? Can, and, I mean, sorrow doesn't have to be, you know, only from, um, you know, losing a spouse or, or losing a job or, or, or something of that nature. It can be because of our sin, can it? It can be because of our sin. He says, and forgive all my sins. If we, if we sin, we have an, what? Advocate with the Father, who? Jesus Christ, the righteous, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful, and not only faithful, right, Brother JT? He's just. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins. God just didn't sweep them all under the rug. And that's, that's been a particular thing that I've heard Sister Shelby chuckle at before because that's something that she does on a regular basis, you know? I mean, the construction sites, a lot of times, she's cleaning on those. And she's not just sweeping the dirt, you know, up in the customer's house under some rug that she finds. You know, God hasn't just, just done that with our sins. No, Christ paid 
the price. Christ is the reason why we have a pardon. And we receive Christ's righteousness. And we have a standing. We saw that last week, didn't we? In, in Psalm 24, we have a standing before God. I know you're still standing. I'll let you sit in a minute. I, I'm going to keep standing. You'll get to sit down. But you'll be glad to sit down by the time I finish here. Um, I don't have much more to go. Verse 19 says, Consider mine enemies, for they are many. Let me just tell you this morning, you have more enemies than you know. You have more than you know. You're able to identify some of them, but you have more enemies than you know. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul. Doesn't that, doesn't that fit? I mean, we've got many enemies. And in the midst of those many enemies who hate me with a cruel hatred, the psalmist says, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. Why is he saying that? Why is he saying let me not be ashamed? Because of the next part, for I put my trust in thee. Lord, I put my trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let integrity, verse 21, and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Isn't that a hard thing to do? I mean, Sister Provy's at the ER right now with Emmy, and they're waiting for results. And they're waiting to see what the problem is. And they're waiting to see what's going to happen next. And they're waiting to see what the doctor's going to say. They're waiting to see if, you know, is it appendix? You know, is, is there some surgery that's going to be required? You know, or did he eat something that just didn't agree with him? You know, we, we don't know. We don't know. But I wait. There's no better person to wait on than to wait upon the Lord. So verse 22, he says, redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Good prayer. Good prayer. Yeah, that's, you're right. I mean, all throughout this, it's a prayer and a meditation and a prayer and a meditation. That's what we see in this psalm, uh, in Psalm 25. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we bow before you once again, uh, we, we humbly uh, ask, Father, and entreat you, that, that you would be merciful unto us and that you would uh, fix uh, our eyes upon uh, the Lord, that you would, you would help us to see the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that you would help us to understand, that you would help us to know, uh, that you'd help us to walk in your ways, uh, that we not just be you know, hearers and, 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 and forget what we've heard. We don't want to be forgetful hearers, but we want to do. Uh, we don't want to let th these things slip. We want to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Uh, we don't want just to have a Bible that we have up on the shelf and, and never read it. We don't want to have a Bible that we take down and read it and never put anything that we read into practice. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray that you would help us to please you in all that we do. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I guess we're okay on our audio. Do you want it? Since I stopped. Turn it off for now since we're using it. It's turn it down 25%. Turn it down 25%. He, he saw I wasn't listening to him. He said turn it off and I'm opening the cover. <laughs> All right.
we'll get this all worked out eventually. We're, we're trying something new and it won't be long probably. We're going to probably turn that corner space back there into a place where, where they can be back there and monitor all these things and have the equipment back there where they can adjust it without, without uh, any interruption. But I was thinking about the message last week. And in relation to the message, you know, this week in, in, in a way and, and even further back, I mean, we go back to the Lord being our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he, he maketh me to, to lie down in, in green pastures. He's the one that does that. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul right so thinking about that and thinking about the message last week um, where we were talking about the, the, the Lord having entered into glory he's the king of glory and he's entered into glory he's, he's entered in on our behalf and and those doors at the end of Psalm 24 he's the one that's opened them and he's made a way for us where there was no way He's made a way for us to enter in, you know, because we were talking about, and JT was talking about before I started talking about it last week. He was talking about the holiness of God. Our God, Scripture says, is a what? A consuming fire. Who is going to stand before him? Who is going to be able to stand in his presence? I mean, the only way we can is in Christ. Christ has opened that door. So here's the verse that kind of puts those two things together. Our Lord says in John 10, verse number 9, I am the door. So, we, you know, we, we kind of used the analogy, and I told you Teresa had, covered, had pulled the curtain, I'd opened the curtains, and she'd closed the curtains last week. But I'd opened them because I was going to say, well, you know, look, this is like in the temple where, where the veil was rent from top to bottom and a way was made into the holy of holies. He's the door. He's the way into the presence of God. He, he's, he's the way that we're reconciled to God. He, he is the way that we have fellowship and communion with God. Otherwise, we would not be able to stand before him. We would not be able to enter into his presence. I mean, you remember John in Revelation, he falls at his feet as dead. And Moses, God says unto him, no man can see me and live. Does that give you a greater appreciation for the righteousness of Christ that is upon us, that we're able to stand in the presence of God? Or we could, we could say this, that we're able to be in the presence of God and stand it, right? That we'd be able to stand. I mean, you know what it's like just to look at the sun, don't you? I mean, I, I remember when those eclipses would, the eclipses would come, you know, and they'd take us outside, you know, uh, and, and they'd say, don't look at the sun. Well, I mean, you're going to say that to a bunch of kids. What are they going to do? Look right at the sun, you know? Um, and you're like, wow, that hurts. No, I told you not to look at the sun. Um, but we know what that in and of itself is like. Can you imagine beholding the face of God? Seeing him face to face and not having to do like the angels and cover their face with their wings and even cover their feet with their wings, but to be able to stand before him who is holy. 
that's almost brother Bruce want to do like like brother Conrad did one time we were we were at uh, Bob Woodruff's house and and he did this he walked over where everybody could see him and he took off his shoes and the text that he was reading from he says this is holy ground this is holy ground I'm a little shorter now to go on my shoes but um, the Lord says I am the door by me if any man enter in he shall be saved. Do you know what that sounds like in our text this morning? Let me not be ashamed. Those who trust in him are not going to be put to shame. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find. How many different things are there in this world that people have caught themselves up in? You know, whether it be Buddhism or it be just all sorts of, you know, Confucianism, whatever it may be. I mean, they're involved in all sorts of isms. But the Lord says, he who enters in by me, which he alone is the way. That's what his words, I didn't say that. That's not my words. That's the word of God. He's the door. He's the way, right? If any man enter in by him, he shall be saved. And here's that Psalm 23 picture. And shall go in and out and find pasture. He leads me into green pastures and besides still waters, right? So... That's what we, we were focused upon in, in the last two um, chapters, seeing the Lord has opened for us a way within the veil where the high priest, remember, could only go once a year, only once. How often can you come before the Lord? How, long, how often can you enter into his presence? And, and, and what does Hebrew say that we come how? Boldly. Boldly. Think about that. You are able to come into the presence of God boldly. Who would dare to do that? Who would dare to do that? I mean, you, you think about just some of our city officials, even. I mean, they're not high up the food chain. Who dares to just enter into the mayor's office without an appointment? Who dares to come in there? Yes. And he was, he was cast down, wasn't he? Uh, but we're able to come into the presence of the living God who is holy. We're able to come into his presence any time, day or night. I mean, you think if you were a very, very good friend of the president, it'd probably be okay for you maybe to come in. He gave you an open invitation to come in during the day. And if you don't like the idea of this president, change it to a different one, you know. But would he allow you to come into his bedchamber at night and put your hand upon his shoulder and wake him up and say, I've got something I need to talk to you about? No, absolutely not. I mean, his, his wife may have that privilege, but, you know, and, and maybe his chief of staff if there's some sort of emergency. But just to come in and have a conversation, just to come in and say, I've got a problem that I, I needed to talk to you about. Um, I wanted to see if you could offer me, you know, any, any comfort or any wisdom in, in this set of circumstances, in this situation. You know, he'd probably say, why now? You know, and it's one o'clock in the morning. You know, can you, can you, can this not wait until tomorrow? 
you know, we have lunch together or breakfast together or something of that nature. You know, Brother Jerry said there'd probably be somebody taking him out of the room. You know, it's probably so. I mean, did you, you, did you hear this morning when, when Brother JT was reading about Solomon's bed and the mighty men that would stand around it? Apparently there's some sort of threat. And, and, and these probably weren't the lowest ranking soldiers. The, these, these were the ones who were trained in warfare. These are the ones who are able to handle, you know, what might come through up over the wall and into the room. Yeah, mighty men, mighty men of valor, just like David's mighty men. But here the Lord has entered into the Holy of Holies and, and made a way where we have access to come before God anytime, day or night. And the Lord says unto us, cast all your cares upon me. Does it have to be a great care? Does it have to be what we would consider to be something worthy of bringing to God? Or has not God told us to bring it all unto him? He has. Cast all your cares, any care, day or night. It doesn't matter. Cast it all upon the Lord. He will sustain you. He will keep you. Um, so we have this access because of Christ to be able to come before God. What, what Adam lost, think about the garden, right? Yeah. I mean, before the fall, yeah. before Adam ate of that tree that God said, you can eat of any tree except for this one. Before Adam did that thing in disobedience, I have often from a child thought about how that Adam walked with God yeah. in the garden in the cool of the day. Right. How pleasant. You know, you started out there, you know, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in, together in unity. I think how pleasant that scene is where Adam's walking with God. How different that scene from when he had eaten of that tree and he and Eve had covered themselves, you know, with fig leaves and they were hiding from God. And God comes into the garden and calls Adam, you know, just like he did so many times. And there's no answer. Adam has hidden himself from his God. Isn't that, it is, the shame, the shame. And isn't that a picture of the end? I mean, those wanting the rocks, you know, to fall upon them, to hide them on, on the day of judgment, to hide them from the land that sits upon the throne. You know, there Adam was in his sin, in his shame, hiding from God. Christ has restored that which Adam lost. We have, we have communion with God once again. We have communion with the Father. So do we see what a blessing is ours in Christ? Isn't this just absolutely incredible? Can't you see how absolutely incredible this is? What has been done for us in Christ? It is truly, Lydia, awesome. You know, it is awesome to, to think about. You know, that it, we, we've, we've had discussions over the years. She and I have had, you know, there, there'll be some kid on a skateboard, you know, Donnie, or a bike, and they'll do something on that skateboard or bike, and somebody will say, oh, that was awesome. No, this is awesome. You know, that's not awesome. This is awesome. Um, when Lydia was younger, she thought that word, and I don't disagree with her, she thought that word should be reserved for God alone to use the word awesome. Uh, you know, in her mind, that was just like the pinnacle. If you were going to say something was incredible, you know, it would, it, that would be the word. But we see this blessing that we have in Christ that we're able to stand before 
a holy God. What a change in our condition. Here we were, dead in trespasses and sins. And we've been quickened. We've been made alive to be able to, to know and to have fellowship and communion and to stand before a holy God. It's just incredible. Far from being barred, I mean, go back to Adam, right? I mean, what happened to him? He was thrust out of the garden and there was an angel that was there at the entrance with a flaming sword that, that, that turned whithersoever. You, know, you weren't going to get entrance. Every which way, you couldn't come in. Far from being barred, from having access to God, we are welcomed home. I've, I've heard some in our congregation when I've asked you to pray, I've, I've heard some begin their prayer this way. God, that's not how the Lord instructed us to pray. When the disciples ask, teach us to pray. Father, welcomed home. Welcomed home to his embrace Remember the prodigal son? He was welcomed home. He thought, if I could just go back and be a servant in my father's household, it would be far better than where I am right now. But what happened? He was welcomed home to his father's embrace. Robes were placed upon him. A ring was put on his hand. And there was a feast made. Because of Christ, we have been welcomed home. There's, there's a hymn that eventually we'll, we'll have and sing, but it has these words. This is the title of it, the first part. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul. Why am I reading that? The very first verse of Psalm 25. What does it say? Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. My God, like you, there is no other. True delight is found in you alone. Your grace, a well too deep to fathom. Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. Your truth, a fount of perfect wisdom. My highest good and my unending need. Do you see your need of Christ? Do you see your need? Do you feel your need? Even today, it's not just something that we did once. We didn't just, we didn't just pray a, a quote-unquote sinner's prayer and, and we were taken back here and we were, we were dunked in the water and baptized. No, this is an unending need. This is a, my greatest need. This is, this is what Brother JT, when he was talking about spices, and he said choice spices and precious spices and ointment. This, this is choice. This is precious. Unto you, the scripture says, he is what? Precious. You've not seen him physically with your eyes. And yet you believe. And yet he is unto you as precious. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You've tasted don't want anything else. You remember all those, those people were there and the Lord, you know, he, he, he had performed you know, this miracle and, he's, and, he, and he said something hard for them to, to understand and hard for them to accept. And many of them, the scripture says, went away. And the Lord, did turn, he turned to his disciples. And what did he say? He said, will you also go away? 
And they said, Lord, where shall we go? Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nothing else. You have the words of eternal life. I have nowhere else to go. And so David says here, Lord, unto thee do I lift my soul. My soul. I mean, if I want to think about it in these terms, I mean, it's the deepest part of my being. It's the most precious thing that I have. I mean, your soul is the most precious thing that you possess. How many people are just, they have no regard to their soul. You know, they're, they're living and walking through this world in defiance against God and ignorance to his word, suppressing the truth. Thinking nothing of their soul and where it will spend eternity. You know, there was a man that died this week. Tuesday. Well-known name, at least in the television industry. Norman Lear, Right? He was very well known for his progressivism, for his liberal thought, right? And he took into the sitcoms that we watched when we were younger situations that had never been shown on TV before, things that would have been considered taboo. And he made America laugh about them. And as America laughed about them, America began to accept them. And they no longer were disturbing. And they no longer were subjects that were considered taboo. And they began to be things that entered into daily life and daily thought and accepted that were not acceptable in the sight of God. I wondered this morning, unless the Lord did something that we don't know about at the end of his life. I wonder this morning, I mean, if he never received Christ, I wonder this morning if he's like the rich man who Lazarus sat outside his gate and this morning he's saying, oh, that there was someone that could bring just a drop of water and cool my tongue because I am tormented in this flame. O oh Lord, unto thee do I lift my soul. My soul that you died to redeem. My soul that you've opened wide the gates of heaven that I may enter in to that place you prepared for us. To that place where when he prays the high priestly prayer, he says unto the Father, he says, I would that... that that, that we, that the church, that the bride of Christ, he said, I would that they would be with me where I am also. Lord, I lift up my soul. That soul, we sing about this, that soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake. The Lord says, I will never, no, never, no, never forsake. David says, I've lifted up my soul, which you have claimed for your own. He calls us his people. We are his children. He's claimed us for his own. I lift that soul up that you've claimed for your own unto you. My soul, which has the Lord's begun a good work in, right? I lift up that soul that you would complete it, that you would finish that work, Lord, that you've begun.
who can keep their soul. I can't keep mine. What are you going to do with it? What David does here. You're going to lift it up to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't keep it, but you can. Lord, I can't deliver myself from evil, but you can. Who can keep their soul in this life through all the dangers, toils, and snares that we sing about that we find here? How would we ever make such a journey as that to the gates of heaven itself and expect to be granted entrance there apart from him being the, the savior of our soul, the, the deliverer of our soul, the keeper of our soul? How would we ever expect except in Christ? This psalm has been called, and we may just kind of get an introduction this morning to it. This psalm has been called a thoughtful prayer by one who has found that the only adequate foundation for any worthwhile life is God. For me to live is Christ. And since for me to live is Christ, then for me to die is gain. The most precious thing to the soul of a believer is Christ. And to Christ, the soul for which he has died is likewise precious. Likewise precious. We've heard David lift up his soul in other places, like Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. We read this, Search me, O God. Wouldn't you say that's lifting up your soul? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any. Is, is, is that the desire that you have each day? That you're desiring to walk before the Lord in an acceptable way, in a pleasing way, in a God-honoring way. I mean, listen to the psalmist. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is that our desire to be led in the way everlasting? Are we weary? Are we troubled? Are there fears? Are there doubts? Are there cares? Are there difficulties? What are you struggling with? Like I said, plug it in right here. Lord, I lift my soul up to thee. Cast your burden upon the Lord and wait upon him. He will not forsake you and he will not forget you. We're not going to get that far this morning, but you see the psalmist in this psalm. He talks about the Lord. He says, remember, verse number six. Look at verse number six. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. Remember thou me for thy goodness sake. I think you're like me. The longer that I've walked with the Lord, the greater I've seen my need of him. The more sensitive, I hope, we've all become to sin. And we see things within ourselves that we didn't see before. Or maybe things that we saw, but they, they, they are, we're more sensitive to them now than we've ever been. Because we want to please the Lord in all that we do. Can we not say with David, here it is, Lord. Here's my soul. Here, here's, here's my soul, Lord, for which you suffered, bled, and died. I lift it up to you. 
Sustain it. That's my prayer. Sustain it. Keep it. Protect it. Deliver it. Cause it to find rest. I mean, those green pastures and that still water, cause it to find rest in you. I mean, have, have you ever been in those doldrums? Have you ever been, it seems like, barren? Have you ever been in those places where you're like, Lord, I just, I don't, I don't feel like praying even. I know that I need to pray, but I don't feel like praying. I know that I need to read your word, but I don't, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm so, because of being depressed about something or whatever the case may be, Lord, here I am. Just be honest with the Lord. Here I lift my soul up, Lord. Here it is. This is what's going on with it. I mean, Sister Proby took Emmy to the emergency room because he was complaining about his stomach, right? Lord, here's my soul. This is what's happening to it. This is what's going on with it. This is the way I, I don't want to feel this way. I want to rejoice. You say in your word, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Do I not have much to rejoice about? I mean, I have salvation in Christ. I have, I have a great cause to re I have a great cause to enter into his, into his presence, into his courts with thanksgiving. But Lord, here I am. This is the way I feel. And I don't want to feel this way. Cause me to rejoice. Green pastures, still waters, restores our soul. Here's my soul, Lord. I lift it up to you. Restore it. Restore it to that place where I can rejoice in you, where I can rejoice in Christ, where I can rejoice in the God of my salvation. Bring me to that place. Deliver me to that place. And in the end, you think about when we, get, we got to the end of Psalm 23, surely, what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And what? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Deliver my soul to that place, Lord. Uh, I was listening to a message this week that a man was preaching and, and he, he, he began the message by thanking the congregation for praying for his father who had Alzheimer's and was in a home. And he had a stroke. And he was asking for prayer and he was thanking the people for prayer. But then he talked about his father that had Alzheimer's and his mind, you know, wasn't what it once was. But he said, oh, there'll be a day when his mind will be more than it ever has been. Uh, you know, we get older, we start forgetting things. Maybe we don't have Alzheimer's. Maybe we just have old timers, you know, but, but we start forgetting things. And, and I, I know you've done it. Not just forget things, but this that I'm about to say. I know you've, you've, you've gone and you've gotten something. And when you go to put it back up, you try to put it in the wrong place. It goes in the refrigerator and you try to put it in the cupboard. You know, um, his mind will be more than it ever was. He will know, the scripture says, even as he is known. That is incredible. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, I lift up my soul to you. Bring me to that place. Bring me to that place. I'm not sufficient. I'm not able to contend with all these things. Uh, there, there, there may be problems on the job site tomorrow when I get to work that I'm not able to contend with. But my hope is that before I leave the house, in the morning, I will lift up my soul unto him who is able to contend with anything that comes my way. 
and that he will go before me and that he will make my path straight and that he will sustain me and that he will give me great grace to be able to deal with those things, whatever they may be, in a way that would please the Lord. I'm not sufficient. Who's sufficient for these things? God alone is sufficient. So the psalmist says, I lift up my soul unto the God who is sufficient. Here I am, Lord. Here's my poor soul. It is so needy. It's not able to deal with the simplest of things without acting and responding wrongly apart from the grace and the strength that you give. So I'm asking for a supply today. You know, from, from that well that, that is bottomless, just because you gave Brother Bruce a great heaping portion of it today doesn't mean that I can't have a, a portion as well. I'm lifting up my poor soul unto you. Help me, save me, deliver me, because if you don't, I will perish. I will perish. Psalm 86 verse 4 puts some of these things in perspective when the psalmist says, Rejoice the soul of thy servant. Where does this rejoicing come from? God. Rejoice. He's the source of my joy. He's the source of my strength. He's the vine. I'm a branch. I've got to abide in him. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up. There it is again, right? I mean, this is Psalm 86. We're in Psalm 25. He says, O Lord, unto you I lift up my soul. Psalm 143, verse 8 says this, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Do you know anything about that? I know something of being, of having that and not having that in my walk. I know something of waking up in the morning and the Lord having a hymn or a scripture already. Here I've just opened my eyes and there it is already. God is already supplying what I need. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. There it is again. Right? You, you remember Hannah? You remember Hannah's problem? She was barren. And you remember she came to the temple. And you remember Eli thought she was drunk. And she said, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I've not drinking, I've not, I've, I've not been drinking wine. I've not drunk any strong drink. I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And I'm coming to the Lord and I'm asking the Lord to cause my spirit to rejoice. And she had a petition. And she, she told the Lord that if you would give me a son, I will give him unto you all the days of his life. And she says unto Eli, I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She's another, another way in which we could say a, Lifting up our soul is pouring out our soul unto him. The overwhelmed, the afflicted soul is invited to come before the Lord and pour out its 
complaint. 1 Peter 1, 5 through 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Again, do we realize, speaking of realizing things, I just realized this had fallen. And so it probably doesn't sound very good, Donnie, if we're still over on this. That's good because I think I stepped on it a couple of times. Um, but the overwhelmed and the afflicted soul is invited to come before the Lord and pour out its complaint. My wife gets tired of listening to me, pouring out my complaint. And I know that she loves me. But God says, bring it on. It doesn't matter. Pour it out. Pour out your complaint before me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Again, do we realize the condition that we've been brought into in Christ? The standing that we have before God in Christ. The acceptance that is ours before God in Christ. In the midst of trouble, when our soul is cast down, we can come before the Heavenly Father, lift up our soul, ask for help. You know, there's that really short prayer, right? Lord, help. Lord, help. Maybe you're not able to say anything else. And the Lord knows all the, the, the things that are swirling around inside you that are behind. Lord, help. Yeah. We can ask the Lord to cause our poor souls to rejoice in Him for help for our poor souls. What soul is safe otherwise? Except the one that's lifted up unto God. Can you lift up your soul unto the Lord? Do you lift up your soul unto the Lord? Have you found refuge in Him alone? Have you found that, that, that there is a, a safe refuge to run into? He's a strong and mighty tower, the psalmist says. And those who run into that strong and mighty tower are safe that we can run there and we can say whatever happens i've lifted up my soul unto the lord you remember you know shadrach meshach and abednego well nebuchadnezzar the lord's able to deliver us but if he doesn't whatever he does he's right in what he does we're not going to worship this idol they were safe they had run into that strong and mighty tower David goes and faces Goliath on the battlefield. He was safe because he had run into that strong and mighty tower. I didn't have to walk where you've walked, Brother Bill. I came close. You didn't know it, but when you were saying the word sepsis, you know, the doctor actually wrote a letter. We still have the letter. And it didn't sound when he started talking about Teresa having sepsis. And he was going along writing that. It was very bleak. What could I do but run into that strong and mighty tower? Brother Conrad would call and I'd just weep on the phone talking to him. What could I do but run into that strong and mighty tower? What can any of us do in whatever, plug whatever, whatever you're going through, plug it in here. What can we do but lift up our soul unto him and find refuge in him 
alone who can save us. I wanted to get at least through the first three verses. and We didn't make it. We only made it through verse number one. Well, so be it. If it's been of any blessing to you, I hope, I help to you to think upon these things, to consider these things, to, to once again consider the position, the place that we have in Christ, that we occupy before God, that we can come before Him who can help us, who is able to deliver us, who can stand. You know, we talked about that as far as holiness, but here you come unto Him for refuge. Who can stand before Him when He makes a decree? When He says unto the wave, you can go this far and no further, that's as far as it can go. And in Job's circumstances, Satan could go only so far, but no further, right? So we know and we understand what it is that Christ has done for us. Come in, sister. Come on in. <laughs> um, I don't remember who it is that she normally comes. Y'all, um, I don't remember her name, but she's outside. She came a couple weeks ago looking for you. She probably thinks, well, it's after 12. Surely he's done preaching by now. But he's still going, you know. I'll wait outside. I don't know. Um, but um, have you, can you find rest, peace, refuge in him? That's my heart's desire for you, is that you can find this place that the psalmist has come before us and spoken about in verse number one, that he's lifted up his soul unto the Lord. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be in that place where you've lifted your soul up to him. I mean, we talked about that word shame. I mean, even in our transgressions, we can still lift our soul up to him. We can come before him. He is able to deliver us. He will receive us in Christ. Well, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer.